This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. Mom Zev Brenner met Rabbi Daniel Gladstein on the Pesach program. He's a prolific author, speaker, lecturer. He is the Rabbi of Kehila Teferis, Mordechai in Cedarhurst, New York, author of Svarim, including Magad Harakia. But his latest one is dealing with Tisha B'Av, another fast day. It's called Darkness and Dawn. Rabbi Gladstein, a pleasure to have you back. Thank you, Zeb. How are you? Good to see you today. Good to see you and good to have you back. Now, I love your title, Darkness and Dawn, and I'll tell you why. Because I heard this from Rabbi Melman, who used to be the rabbi of the Little Beach Synagogue. He's living in the five towns right now. And he basically said that the word Shachar and Shachar are the same letters. You give a little kvetch, and you go from darkness to morning to light. And your book deals with darkness and dawn, which I think is the same theme, how Tisha B'Av is a dark period of time, but yet there's a lot of light that's shed through Tisha B'Av. So I'd like to reflect on that, and I know we'll talk about some of the keynotes, and then Maitzoy Shabbos we'll talk a little bit more about some of the interesting things about Tisha B'Av that we should know about. Thank you. Yeah, so that's an important aspect of Tisha B'Av, not only the darkness, but the dawn, the redemptive quality that is latent in the day, the Medrash tells us that Mashiach is actually born on Tisha B'Av. The Gemara teaches that when the Gentiles entered the Heichal, when they entered the Temple, they saw the Keruvim were embracing each other, which reflected the fact that even though Hashem was allowing our Temple to be destroyed and He was banishing us, but His love for us was unwavering and immutable. And that's always important to bear in mind that this is only a temporary situation, but ultimately we have... We have uh, good times uh, in store for the Jewish people. Um, in fact, the Ben Chai teaches that although we read Eicha in a mournful tune, uh, when Mashiach comes, it will uh, change the the inflection so ever so slightly where the words can actually have a hopeful and happy meaning. So, for instance, one example he gives is, Literally, so all the glory left Sion, but it could also be read that when Mashiach comes, all Torah will emanate from Sion as opposed to from the diaspora, which it does today. So all glory will exit Sion. That could have, that has a positive meaning. That when the redemption comes, all Jewish teaching will emanate from uh, Yerushalayim. Which we're starting to, because today I think there are more Jews in Eretz Yisrael and Israel than in the diaspora. And I think the amount of Torah that's coming out of Israel is tremendous. So I think we're seeing some of that taking place right now at the beginning. Absolutely. We definitely, uh, we hope that all these uh, premonitions and all of this is of uh, is hopeful to us. Now, it used to be in days gone by, they made a point of printing the kinos on paper because they they hope they're not using it again. I know today we're, we don't really see too many paper keynotes. It's more hardcover and the books are coming out in hardcover, which means they're looking to preserve it for a longer time. I'd like to reflect on that minute, which I thought was very interesting, but they purposely didn't want the keynotes to last beyond that tish above. Well, look, you know, throughout the ages, no matter how difficult times were, we were always hopeful that uh, this would be the end of the Gullus. I'll tell you, my grandfather, blessed memory, was a Holocaust survivor, and we'll talk more about it on Shabbos. 
But he was in all the dark places. He was in Dachau. He was in Auschwitz. And he said that every day that he was in Dachau, he believed wholeheartedly Mashiach would come that day. So he never lost hope. He, he never lost faith. He felt even in the darkest times, Mashiach would come. I hope uh, Saturday night I'll have an opportunity to tell you where he was thrown into the crematoria and he had miraculous uh, salvation. So Jews never lost hope. We always look forward to the coming of Mashiach. In fact, my grandfather's uh, last words in this world at age 106, the first night of Pesach was, I'm waiting for Mashiach. And then he left this world. So that's how a Jew lives. A Jew is always hopeful that uh, the redemption is around the corner and Mashiach is here. And uh, certainly we hope that this, this year will be the last dish above. Yeah, you know, when you were talking about the hope, and that's the beauty of being a Jew in Judaism, is one is not allowed to abandon hope. It's forbidden. That's the yeah, worst my thing. my grandfather would uh, say, like, uh, Yiyush is Shaloi Midas. Giving up hope is really without thought. But we, we never give up hope. As Think I, about it. The whole the whole fabric of the Jewish people is built on Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was uh, 99 years old. He was infertile. Sarah, the Gemara tells us, was not only an Akara, not only barren, but she was an islandess. She had no uterus. And from these, this infertile couple, we have the entire Jewish people today. So our nation is built on the impossible. So of course we can never lose lose hope. But that's the definition of our people. You know, you remind me of it's a thought on the. We just read about the Ari Miklo, the the cities of refuge where if somebody accidentally kills somebody, you would run to it. So Moshe Rabbeinu created the three cities of Ari Miklot on the other side of the Jordan. And for the 14 years that they conquered the land, nobody ever went there. So the question was raised is why weren't anybody who accidentally killed somebody sent to them from the 14 years of the conquest of the land? Why did he build it? No, he's going to use it for 14 years. And the answer that's given is, is when somebody accidentally kills somebody, they go to the Ari Miklot and they pray for the Kohen Gadol to die. Even the Kohen Gadol is, is young, there's still hope. But it's since that that the Lazar HaKohen, together with Yeshua, was supposed to conquer the land for 14 years, he was going to be alive for sure. So somebody who would be sent this to an Mikkel would have no hope because every day he knows it's 14 years. So therefore they wouldn't sentence that because every Jew has to have hope. I think it's a wonderful thought dealing with yeah. our concept of hope. Nice. Yeah. What else would you like to share with us regarding the keynotes <laughs> and Tisha? I want to share one very brief and powerful point. You know, um, the Chorum Beis Hamikdash is not the only subject of the Kinnos. Of course, we talk about the Crusades in Kinnah Chafhei, the 25th Kinnah. We talk about the burning of the Talmud in Kinnah Memalaf. By the way, I just came back from a Jewish heritage tour in France, and I stood at the place where the Talmud was burnt in 1242. We talk about, uh, there are many of the Kinnos, which we call uh, Tzion Kinnos, that, that talk about the beauty of Eretz Yisrael. And there's one tragedy that I think is conspicuously absent from the Kinnos. And amazingly, it actually happened on Tisha B'Av. It's a tragedy that the Abarbanel says was the worst tragedy since the destruction of the temple. And that is the Spanish Inquisition. Inexplicably, there's no mention of the Spanish Inquisition on Tisha B'Av. And it happened on Tisha B'Av. Because Christopher Columbus set, set sail on Tisha B'Av, right? That's... Yeah, Columbus set sail the next day. I believe it was August 2nd, a Friday, uh, 1492. So why would this tragedy not be discussed on Tisha, on Tisha B'Av? In light of the fact it happened on Tisha B'Av, the Abarbanel equates it with the Chorban. And we, it's not like we only talk about the Chorban 
on Tishabav, uh, this was a very uh, troublesome question to me. And I believe the answer is uh, a very important idea. And that is in 1492, when the Jews were expelled, talking about two to 300,000 Jews, the leader of the Jewish people was uh, Rav Don Isaac Abarbanel, who the Beis Yosef calls the Nesher Hagadol, the Great Eagle. And he issued a halachic ruling that when the Jews leave Spain, they should leave to lively music, which is uh, quite strange. We know we don't listen to live music during the three weeks, certainly during the week of Tisha B'Av and on Tisha B'Av to listen to music. So one of the reasons given was he didn't want the Jews to be despondent and fall into despair, and he wanted to raise their spirits. After all, they were losing all their money and leaving everything behind. But Rebellio Kitov offers an amazing reason why the Barbanel said to play music on Tisha B'Av. And that is because while in other circumstances, when we left uh, Yerushalayim, that was mournful, but we never mourn leaving the Gullus. A Jew never mourns leaving a land that's not ours. You know, we get so comfortable in the Gullus and we think, oh, what a great tragedy. They're leaving Spain. Of course, it was a tragedy, but we need a little bit of a reality shift. We didn't belong in Spain. That's not our homeland. We belonged in Eretz Yisrael. And a Jew never cries when they, lo- when they leave the Gullus. Yes, we will cry when we leave Yushalayim. And we will cry for the burning of the Talmud. And we will cry for the massacre of communities in the time of the Crusades. But to leave a land, no matter how successful we were, no matter how wealthy we were, no matter how comfortable and to what levels in society we reached, a Jew never cries when they leave the Gullus. And I believe that's the reason why we don't mention the Spanish Inquisition on Tisha B'Av. Because certainly it was not a, a positive occurrence for Jewish people but we can never mourn leaving a land that we don't belong. And that's something that we Jews in America always have to keep in mind. As wonderful as this golden Medina has been for us, this is not our homeland. And this is not where the Jewish people belong. And if there's one lesson to learn from Tisha B'Av, you know, the, the community of worms in the times of the Crusades suffered the, the worst fate of any European community. And the Sma records that the reason for this is because when Ezra returned in the time of the Second Temple, he sent word to the community of worms in Germany, no, come back, come join us, help us rebuild the Holy Land. And they said, you know what? You guys go up to your big Jerusalem. We'll stay here in worms in our little Jerusalem. And because they had that attitude that worms is where they belonged, the Sma writes, that's why they suffered the worst fate. So one of the most important and basic lessons of the Kinnis is that even though this Gullus perhaps has been good to the Jewish people, it's still a Gullus and it's not our homeland and that's not where we really belong. And we have to remember that a Jew belongs in Eretzeinu HaKadosha, in Eretz Yisrael, and we'll never cry and we'll never mourn when we leave the Gullus. So before I let you go, so shouldn't we take Tishbev as a since we, the whole reason Tisha B'Av came out is we despised us. We didn't really want to go. The spies didn't really want the Jews to go. So shouldn't Tisha be the day we make a commitment to leave the Gullus and go to Eretz and wait for Mashiach there? Well, look, there's no question that living in Eretz is a great mitzvah. But there are many factors that may uh, that a person has to consider. And I'm not here to tell everybody uh, where to live and where to move. Especially here, I'm a, I'm a rabbi here in the in the five towns. 
but um, I would definitely say it is that uh, it is a time to consider and to reevaluate a person's uh, station and uh, future and plans for their family. Rabbi Daniel Gladstein, thank you for joining us. The Rav of Kehillus, the Ferris Mordechai in Cedarhurst, New York, soon to be Jerusalem, but right now it's in Cedarhurst. Uh, right. He's an author of Sepharim, including Magad um, Harakia, but his latest book is something which deals with fast days and deals with Tishabav. And I suggest everybody get a hold of it. It's published, it's from Article Publications, right? It's our, Yes, yes. And it's, it's called Publishing. Darkness and Dawn. And Rabbi Glatzen will yes. join us again Saturday night. My Tzoy Shabbos Tishwa Midnight. We'll look at some stories of the Klosenberger Rebbe and the Holocaust and other inspirational stories. Uh, even though it's Tishwa, we're looking forward to that. So let me wish you a good Shabbos, and we look forward to speak to you, God willing, as Tishwa begins. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Pleasure to see you again, and uh, have an easy fast. And we're going to be right back. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to TalkLine Communications Network, America's leading Jewish radio and TV network since 1981. For continuous, non-stop Jewish broadcasting, please go right now online to TalkLineCommunications.com. For more information on all of TalkLine's Jewish radio and TV shows, please call 212-769-1925 or email info at TalkLineCommunications.com. Our 24-hour day listen line is 605-562-5174. That's 24-hour day listen line, 605-562-5174. Thank you for listening. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.